The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye and Andrew Gross. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad. Day of the throne speech, which will open the fifth session of the 29th legislature. We're expecting her honor, the right honorable Lois Mitchell, the lieutenant governor of Alberta, to uh, start this whole process right around the three o'clock mark. It, there's some pomp and circumstance, and uh, we're, we're hoping that uh, we'll go to her live around the 310 mark. Joining me in studio today is not Andrew Gross. He's away for the next couple of days, but I am thrilled to have have uh, an old friend of this show joining me in here for the next little while, uh, Bob Murray, the manager, managing director of Denton's Canada's LLP's Government Affairs and Public Policy Group. Hi, Bob. Hello. When you say old friend, you mean longevity, not That's age, right, right, not okay. age. No, I can't because you are younger than me. So <laughs> I just have to always remember that. I just want to make sure that we're clear on that. One of us is becoming a grandparent and one of us is not. So there you go. I'd have to become a parent first, I think. But <laughs> <laughs> That's what I thought was going to happen with me too. Uh, thanks for coming in today. Appreciate you taking the time. Over the next hour, we're going to kind of explore some of the things that you've been watching, the things that people are talking about uh, right now. Again, uh, we know going into this and this uh, throne speech today. Uh, the NDP government really keeping their cards fairly close to their chest, have been making all sorts of announcements. I mean, it's obvious this election campaign's been underway now for months, but I guess if you're looking at throne speech today, what what are you expecting and what should we be looking for? Uh, I think what we'd be expecting from the government is a very positive, optimistic tone and really trying to lay out a vision uh, that would be, first of all, juxtaposed to what the UCP has been talking about. I mean, I mean, the UCP has been spending a lot of time talking about the economy and some of the negative aspects of what's happening in the economy right now, job losses, uh, the oil and gas sector, mm-hmm. and the energy sector. I think what the, UC- uh, the NDP is going to try to do is to put a far more positive view on things to say, look what we've accomplished over the last four years. This is not just an election. It's very much about the future of the province and the way that we conceive of Alberta, what type of Alberta we want. And I think they're going to be laying out that vision in a series of not only statements, but if they do hold a short session, which we expect they might be doing after this throne speech, uh, a series of pieces of legislation aimed very specifically at asking Albertans what kind of province they want to see. Mm-hmm. And of course, this is also the setup to the election campaign, whether it's you know as early as tomorrow or whether it's over the next couple of weeks when a writ drops, uh, talking about things like uh, social issues and the, the attempt to wedge the UCP on uh, things that they traditionally uh, have taken stances that the NDP would see out of lockstep uh, with uh, the preferences of Albertans and the values of Albertans. So it's really much going to, I think, try to get at the core of what type of Alberta people want to see and also appeal to those moderates and undecideds. Mm-hmm. You know, I think it's really important for both sides right now. What we've really been seeing is uh, a discussion about what type of Alberta we want to see, but being able to move outside of those bases. Right? Elections are typically won and lost on moderates and undecideds. And so those that haven't made up their minds yet, really what it is that they're going to be able to do on both sides to appeal to them. And this is really the NDP's big opportunity uh, to try to do that. Given what has been going on and certainly the news out of uh, over the weekend and over the past uh, you know I guess Wednesday Thursday Friday into the weekend the articles uh, in McLean's magazine the, the CBC um, yeah reporting global television reporting about the kamikaze uh, situation um, would you if you were and you're not obviously but if you were advising uh, a premier about to drop a writ um, would you be advising 
her or him, <laughs> let's put that, to, to wait to see what's going to happen over the next little while? Do you think it would be prudent for the Premier to wait, or is there not going to be enough time for uh, results of any investigation before we have to have this election done? What do you think? It would depend on what the numbers were telling yeah. me before. Uh, any kind of rumor and innuendo came out, especially as all of these leaks have happened. I mean, what's really interesting here is obviously this is uh, the various factions of Alberta's conservative wing eating at its own Mm -hmm. uh, by virtue of internal dissatisfaction, which of course for the other side is a goldmine in trying to find opportunities to be able to show internal dysfunction, uh, potential lack of trust and lack of honesty. Um, And of course, the ultimate question always boils down to did Mr. Kenny know anything? And if he did know when did he know it did he have an active part in trying to facilitate these things etc and so right now I think what we've seen is the NDP has as you said in your introduction held its cards very close to its chest and I think a lot of that was uh, I think they had a pretty good idea some of these things were coming Mm -hmm. Uh, and I think that we've seen uh, you know that the NDP has been stoking this fire quite strongly to see whether or not it's going to make a difference in the minds of Albertans and whether or not it's going to make a difference in the polls doesn't necessarily have to be the fruition of investigations, but the notion of investigations at all Mm -hmm. is something that can sway people's minds. Mm -hmm. And what it does as well to uh, whether or not the NDP is able to compel the narrative that makes a direct linkage to people's uh, view of Mr. Kenny uh, and whether or not this hinders or helps their uh, view of him as a potential leader and a potential premier of the province. Uh, This morning, uh, Jason Kenny was telling Danielle Smith and Ryan Jesperson during the uh, special coverage this morning, a province wide coverage says there was some communication between his leadership campaign and that of Jeff Calloway, but nothing out of the ordinary. He says there was no plan to work together to defeat uh, uh, leadership rival Brian Jean. Uh, He went on to say this. After the uh, referendum that created the new party, uh, I was in, Mr. Uh, Calloway asked me to uh, meet with him, uh, which I did at his house. It was late July of 2017, and I went there to ask for his endorsement for my campaign for the leadership. He told me that uh, he was considering running his own leadership campaign. Uh, he said because he thought there was a group of Wild Rose supporters that wouldn't support Brian or I, and uh, they needed a voice. He also had some issues he wanted to articulate around uh, the uh, the natural gas industry, uh, access to Hudson's Bay, and some other issues. Uh, and it was, it was no secret he had no love lost for Brian. I think, you know, they had a longstanding kind of some kind of personality feud. So, uh, look, I, I said that's, uh, I, I wanted to get his endorsement or support. I left that meeting with the impression that he would be at least launching an exploratory campaign and possibly going all the way till the end. Uh, we, My staff kept in touch with his staff, but we didn't offer or provide any material financial support. And uh, um, if there are questions about irregularities. I hope that the authorities get to the bottom of it and people are held accountable if they've done anything wrong. All right, so that was Jason Kenny this morning talking to Ryan Jesperson and Danielle Smith. Uh, Kenny saying it's completely false that his, cam- that his campaign provided funds to Callaway. And again, uh, investigation now underway. When we talk about, and actually there's two articles in McLean's Magazine right now, um, a Jen Gerson one kind of looking into it, and then uh, Jason Markusoff, kind of a, a follow-up article in which he says today, uh, which was 
was which I thought was interesting. He said Jason Kenney told the UCP convention last spring that he declared the Conservatives lost voters' trust in 2015, that the the PCs had been in power far too long and it had become arrogant. The public was fed up with the political game games and the other side, the Wild Rose Party, it lacked discipline. And Jason goes on to say, so what's the first thing he does with his new party? The first bloody thing is to inaugurate the fresh to inaugurate this. His team coordinates a sham candidate to run alongside him in the leadership whose main purpose is to say all the snarky things about Brian uh, Jean, Kenny's chief rival that uh, Kenny's leadership brain trust thought not genteel enough to come from their man's mouth. Now when you look at something like this, Bob, I mean backroom politicking, backroom negotiations. I mean, that's politics, isn't it? Uh, there's not a lot of politics that happens <laughs> in the front room. <laughs> and, and it's, you know, I think what's unusual here is that, first of all, the way that this is all coming out yeah. and the fact that you obviously have uh, a whistleblower from within the conservative circles that is providing emails, providing uh, details around some of these meetings, etc. I think you also have, uh, it's the timing that also makes this interesting. Of course, the timing is not coincidental mm-hmm. uh, that we're on the eve of a red and here you have these uh, types of details coming out. Uh, but as you heard in Mr. Kenny's statement on the show this morning, uh, it's important that he's focusing on the financial and the material contributions because, of course, that at the end end of the day is what would cross this from uh, a political tactic into something that might be uh, contravening uh, election spending or the or, uh, campaign finance laws or elections laws. Bob Murray, how much of an impact do you believe that this, this, they're now calling it uh, Kenny Kazi, you know. Uh, that's a terrible. Name. I know it is, that's but horrible. that's, I know. Uh, but it's, you know, it's been thrown around there. Uh, this uh, Kamikaze candidate uh, campaign is actually going to have on this election. I'm seeing a lot of people out there saying, don't care, don't care, and that they believe that um, that the UCP are uh, shoo-in. I think the question, if you were going to vote for the NDP to begin with, it doesn't really matter. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you were going to vote for the UCP to begin with and you were a firm Jason Kenney supporter, it probably doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. If you were leaning towards the UCP uh, because you wanted a change from the NDP but you find this unsavory, uh, then it starts to matter. And if you were uh, completely undecided and you were going to wait to see how things unfolded throughout the campaign and you held a certain value set, then this could matter quite a bit. And that's really where, for the UCP's purposes, by virtue of what the numbers are showing, uh, I think they have to be able to make sure that their base is motivated and those that have come back to the party since 2015 or that have are still with the party after unifying uh, the parties on the right, that they have to stay consistent and be ready to come out on voting day. Uh, Bob, interesting when you look at some of the numbers and some of the polling numbers, um, if I remember correctly, Notley is out polling her party and the UCP out polling Kenny. What does the, how does that set up then? I mean, at the end of it all, I mean, Stephen Carter said this morning, I mean, the, the NDP are just all about Notley. Well, in the end, though, the UCP really all about Kenny. There's no really, you know, almost second in command there. It's Notley and it is Kenny. Um, that kind of polling and um, when you're looking at that, with the party side of it, what does that mean for this election? Well, I think about your comment, the reason that right now it's Notley versus Kenny, and one of the things that we haven't seen on either side, but even from the UCP, is we're seeing a gradual trickle out of a platform. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of it has been on the uh, cult of personality around Jason Kenny, but now the tactic is knowing uh, where Mr. Kenny's numbers are compared to the parties, uh, the attempt to shift the conversation to policy positions that people may mm-hmm. want to be talking about. Mm-hmm. So we've seen discussions around agriculture, we've seen discussions... Right. Uh, 
around other pieces of a platform that are starting to come out that they're trying to shift that conversation. But I think is interesting on the other side is that for a party that's been in power for four years, the conversation is only about the leader and by virtue of the image that leader projects and people's favorable perceptions of that leader, but they're not looking to run on a four-year-long record. <laughs> the campaign is very much going to be about uh, an individual, and there are reasons for that. Uh, and so that's why, you know, even the idea if they do go back to a short session and the NDP presents a budget, it's likely to be an optimistic and not likely to be a spending budget. Mm-hmm. And they're going to go all in on the strategy that we're really going to hope that people don't care about debt deficits, that we're just going to keep on spending, uh, which will play into the UCP's hands talking around finances. But again, it's it's less about the traditional left-right spectrum. And we've seen recent political trends in the last few years start moving away from some of that spectrum and very much right now about the character and value system that is really about at the core of who Alberta is and who Albertans want the province to be moving forward. In your opinion, um, and you know, I hear it on this text line and through phone calls and emails every single day, um, Albertans are looking at, of course, pipeline, they're looking at carbon tax. I think economy has to be uh, right up there as far as, um, you know, Albertans' biggest concern going into this into this election. Absolutely. It's about making sure that people are not only working, but working in the jobs that they want to be in, making the money that they want to be making. Uh, the Alberta competitive advantage throughout the country, one of the main reasons is, yes, we have a lower relative taxation regime, but we also have fairly high salaries, and that's <laughs> one of the attractions of being out here. Uh, I, and I think as well, we've seen the NDP take steps over the last four years to try uh, to stimulate the economy in the way that would be consistent with their ideological vision. We know that they've gone all in on the message of diversification, and they have spent considerable money Mm -hmm. in some of that diversification agenda. Some of it has taken hold, some of it has not. I think part of the concern around that diversification agenda has been that the NDP has been very willing to pick winners and losers by having programs where companies have to apply. And so it's a good news story when you award companies with incentives. It's a bad news story that you might be turning away three or four other major projects that might be willing to actually invest in Alberta because the government's only willing to give out a certain amount. Uh, I think as well, some of the conversation around the economy is not solely a provincial responsibility. Some of it, of course, depends on federal policy. Mm-hmm. Some of it depends on local policy. Yeah. And we've seen uh, the province trying to work. This, The Edmonton region is a really great example of this, that in the last couple of years, we've seen uh, the 15 area regional municipalities coming together to form Edmonton Global, the new Regional Economic Development Corporation. Uh, but I would say that there is still a significant onus on both provincial government and local governments to get their act together to actually be realistic uh, about the lack of competitiveness that we currently face not only within the country but to the globe and to get serious about some of the things that they say uh, they want to be serious about. And so I think some of those conversations around the economy are now translating into people, this starts manifesting itself very close to home when it comes to paying the mortgage, Mm -hmm. paying bills uh, on a regular basis. And it's very easy to talk in generalities and extrapolations around how many jobs were gained, how many jobs were lost. Ultimately, it comes down to what is people quality of life? Do they feel happy with that? And are people optimistic about their own livelihoods and the vision for the province? Throne speech expect, well, it will begin just after three o'clock. I keep saying it's expected, but uh, it's a little fluid at times when exactly it's going to start. It says three o'clock, but there's a bunch of ceremonial parts that go along with it. Bob Murray joining me in studio this afternoon. It's 225. A couple of texts coming in at 630, 630. I don't think anyone feels better off or has any feeling that the NDP will make it better if they win. And this one, Jaylen, I really want the NDP gone. They have done some good, but every time I turn around, they're costing me me 
me money. That's from John. This one, do you stay with the devil you know or go with the devil you don't know? And then this out of Slave Lake, it's the same old boys network and Kenny has shown that. Uh, Bob Murray, uh, Brian Jean, kind of back on the scene. This has been interesting. I mean, uh, late last week there was rumblings that he was going to get right back into politics and he denied it saying no but there's some there's stuff coming and here we have brian jean working alongside derek fildebrandt the two of them had a strained relationship at best before what do you make of this it's amazing how politics can create strange <laughs> partnerships. Uh, and, and it wouldn't be a day in Alberta politics if there wasn't yeah. something completely out of the box that you hadn't anticipated the day before. Uh, and, I mean, obviously, within Alberta's conservative movement, while uh, Mr. Kenny was eminently successful in uniting the two right-wing parties and creating a new structure to be able to pose a significant challenge uh, to the current government, there's obviously a great number of conservatives... Uh, in Alberta that don't feel themselves uh, adequately represented or properly represented in that new party. And uh, from some of those uh, feelings that were hurt throughout the process of that unification, it's obvious that this is uh, being interpreted as an opportunity for them. Last week, um, during all of this, uh, former Prime Minister Stephen Harper made comments about, uh, you know, we do much better, Conservative family does much better when we are united. I think uh, Scott Moe came out and said something along the same thing. Um, Derek Fildebrandt saying that Brian Jean is just offering some advice on on how to be a leader, um, specifically along the lines of being humble. You know this this sort of this sort of thing. Um, do you think that there's the possibility that this is setting up Brian Jean to take a more prominent role, either with the Freedom Conservative Party or if something were to happen uh, with Jason Kenney and the UCP, that 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 could be sending Brian Jean up into sliding into one of those roles. I have no idea. Um, <laughs> I mean, I, I think there's so many, there's so much speculation going there's on. There's so much right speculation. Now. There's so many scenarios. I sometimes feel like we're on the verge of tinfoil hats in Alberta <laughs> politics with some of what goes on. Uh, and then something happens and you say, well, maybe it wasn't as crazy as yeah. you first thought. Uh, I think more than anything uh, right now, what we're seeing is we're on the eve of an election and at this point in time, every Politico is trying to advance their own political interests and to advance the interests that they feel best represent both themselves and the province. And I think we're seeing that in spades coming out on the right side of the spectrum mm -hmm. right now. Uh, but what Mr. Gene will do, what Mr. Gene won't do, I have no idea. But it's very obvious that he's not done. All righty. On that note, uh, we're done for this half hour. We're going to turn things over to Eileen Bell for the uh, 2.30 news. On the other side, let's take a look a little bit closer at each of the parties. Uh, um, uh, the five, uh, five of the party leaders joined uh, Ryan and Danielle this morning. Lots of conversation to go from there. Um, I think we'll take a closer look at the NDP, at the UCP, at the Alberta Party, and what the Alberta Party might bring to the table uh, during this election, the Freedom Conservative Party, and then the Liberals. The Liberals and David Kahn, uh, the lonely Liberal member <laughs> in, uh, in Alberta right now. So
Our continuing coverage of the throne speech uh, continues right here on 6.30 Chet. I'm Jalen Nice sitting across the table from me today. Happy to have Bob Murray in studio. And if uh, you've just joined us, Bob Murray, of course, the Managing Director of Denton's Canada LLP's Government Affairs and Public Policy Group, a friend of this show. It's been a while since we've had you in talking politics. I'm thrilled that you could join us today. So want to break things down a little bit because the throne speech expected to start the whole ceremony bit around three o'clock we'll probably start hearing from the lieutenant governor around 310 um but when we've been like kind of looking at what's been going on uh talking about how these campaigns might run as we wait for this writ to be dropped um you know the premier rachel notley saying that she's looking forward to talking to albertans about the ndp's record and what they want to achieve in the future i absolutely would would see it differently uh we have we have stabilized our our spending patterns if you if you were to look at a graph you'd see that under the conservatives it looked like a picture of the rocky mountains and uh and now we've got this very sort of uh very careful uh and, and controlled uh, process on spending and it's provided a tremendous amount of stability and predictability what we have done with education and healthcare, I'm very proud of. I mean, obviously, we took over the government at a at a time when when uh, we were in fiscal crisis because of the drop in oil prices and what that did to our to our revenue streams. But we've actually managed to invest significantly in improving slowly, carefully, both the healthcare and the education uh, experience that that our kids have. Rachel Notley this morning with uh, Ryan and Danielle, and again, I think that's you know what we're going to hear over. Over the next little while and I suspect um, that uh, she certainly got her eyes open to the federal budget tomorrow to see what might be coming um, Alberta's way uh, on a federal perspective. Yeah and I think uh she is very hopeful, I think, that by having worked with Mr. Trudeau uh, throughout the last couple of years on the climate leadership plan, that there will be things forthcoming for her. Uh, I, I don't think it would be uh, a remarkable leap to think that Mr. Trudeau in Ottawa would far prefer an NDP government in Alberta than he would a Jason <laughs> Kenney government. So uh, whether or not Mr. Trudeau will use this budget as an opportunity, a federal budget as an opportunity to help uh, Ms. Notley going into this uh, campaign will be very interesting. All right. Uh, 2.37 on the 6.30 Chet Afternoon News. She says that the throne speech is going to be an optimistic one. It's about building a strong united Alberta. Um, When we look at um, the man, the the party that I think most people believe is going to form the next provincial government, and that is Jason Kenney and the UCP. Um, Again, some controversy uh, swirling around him right now. Jason Kenney is an interesting cat i have to say that i've i've I had the chance to talk with him quite a bit he is well they both are notley and kenny i think both professional politicians they're very good at that whether you like their policies or not um but kenny seems to me at times almost a bit of a, an enigma we don't know much about him uh, it's interesting. Mr. Kenny's been on the public scene and the, the federal political scene for quite some time. Uh, I think we know enough about him to know exactly where he stands on mm-hmm. a great number of issues. Uh, certainly, I think one of the things about Mr. Kenny is that it's not hard to know where he stands on issues if he's <laughs> asked a question. Yep. Uh, he's usually fairly quick with an answer and usually a very polished answer for what it is that he's Incredibly going to Incredibly polished. What he comes forward with. Uh, but I think in terms of that personal side, I don't think people really know uh, that much about him. Uh, I think some of that might be intentional uh, on his part. But again, I think 
this is exactly why what you're going to see from the NDP is the campaign is going to try to roll out an image of the premier uh, that is very different than that. Is, is that important, though? Do you really, at the end of the day, do Albertans, do everyday Edmontonians and Calgarians and someone who's working out in Leduc or someone who's, you know, wanting their job back in Fort McMurray really care that we don't know much, you know, we don't get warm fuzzies, let's say, from from, from Jason Kenney? If you don't get the warm fuzzies, then history tells us that you better think that it's somebody who's serious that's going to be able to do something for you if you feel that you're in that situation and you're worried about the economy, you're worried about government policy, you're worried about the province's financial situation. And so uh, if you look at the person, you say, I don't really know that much about him, but I am willing to vote for him because of the vision. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that also relies on the fact that PEE expected people would be actually doing their homework to figure out what that vision is. I think what we see right now is a hyper-polarized, hyper-partisan, very bitter political culture where facts don't really matter nearly as much. I'm not sure they ever really did, to be honest, mm-hmm. but I think they seem to be mattering less and less mm-hmm. than they used to. And so uh, I think a lot of it's also about perception. And so one of the conscious efforts the UCP has been making over the last year in particular here has been really making sure that the perception of Mr. Kenny is that he cares about the economy, he's going to focus mm-hmm. on the economy, he's going to fix the economy. And so whether people delve deeply enough into what the UCP stands for and what that platform is going to look like, uh, I'm not sure, but chances are, by virtue of the way the political culture right now works, probably not. He has said, um, yeah, politics right now is like drinking out of a, a fire hose, right? It's just like, it's just, ugh. Yeah, it's like a cesspool. Yeah. It's, it's just so nasty. And, I mean, social media, I think, has exacerbated that. Absolutely. Uh, but we're no longer having uh, political conversations. We don't really have a political narrative. We're talking pa- like people are talking past each other. Uh, it's more about uh, being right and having a party try to verify your own beliefs, whether or not that's grounded. In fact, I find is really what's happening. And that hyper-polarized culture has created a situation where uh, politics has become very black and white. Uh, and it's very less about complexities and mm-hmm. nuance. And when we talk about portfolios like healthcare and education and human services in this province, they are nothing but complex. Mm-hmm. And we are looking at the superficial and we are looking at the easy and that's not ever really what these these portfolios are about or what conduct and government is about and I think it's troubling to believe that we can reduce uh, the political narrative and solutions to the some of the political challenges facing us to a talking point or two. Jason Kenney saying that he'd kill a carbon tax, cut off oil shipments to provinces that balk at pipelines, boycott banks that shun fossil fuels and pressure Justin Trudeau's federal government and billions in transfers to other regions if new pipelines don't get built, equalization was a big conversation this morning at the ledge with Danielle and Ryan, and this was Jason Kenney. We will make it clear in the days to come. Uh, we need to fight back for this province. We need a new deal, a fair deal in the Federation. We are generous, but we can't have uh, other governments benefiting from our resource wealth while they're doing everything they can to block it. And that's why I will be clear that uh, if we have a United Conservative government and we cannot get the guaranteed and quick completion of a coastal pipeline from the federal government, if they won't withdraw anti-Alberta uh, policies like the No More Pipelines Act Bill C-69, that I am prepared uh, to trigger the Quebec secession reference of the Supreme Court of Canada from 1998, which says if a province holds a referendum on a, with a clear question and a clear majority votes in favor, it forces binding negotiations with the federal government. So I would be prepared to put forward on the ballot for Albertans, uh, probably concurrent with the uh, municipal elections in 2021, uh, a question of whether they want to amend the Constitution to delete Section 36, which is the principle of equalization in the Constitution Act. I don't want to start with that. But we need to have uh, 
we need to have uh, some some real uh, strength in our fight for a fair deal. And I want to take a page out of Quebec's playbook. They've managed to dominate the politics of the Federation for four decades um, very effectively. We need to be as assertive as Quebec has been, and I think the referendum on equalization is the best way to do so. And Jason Kenney talking about a referendum on equalization, but opening up a refer- open up a constitution uh, to deal with referendum. That's uh, that could that could be uh, opening up a can full of worms. Oh, that's a, it's opening of the hornet's <laughs> nest for sure. Uh, and there's so many different dynamics that go into that. There's obviously the provincial dynamic. There's the federal dynamic, how yeah. other provinces will receive even mm-hmm. that talk. But I think what's interesting here and hearing that is uh, critics have long said that Mr. Kenny talks a lot about equalization, but there's been no plan. How does he actually plan to have those discussions with the federal government, uh, the, the actual way that the equalization system works? But he was, and he was part of the team that made this equalization program under the Harper government. Wasn't well, it? Well, he was absolutely he was there, but again, there, yeah. how much influence he had okay. over the final product, I think it's always easy to say that you were there yep. and part of that, but you know, were you the one that actually helped craft it? Uh, so I always am skeptical of some okay. of those claims. But I would also say that this is the first time, at least that I have heard, uh, him come forward with something this concrete and a plan as to what it is that he would seek to do. Um, and so it would be quite an interesting plan to be able to try to move forward. But again, uh, Mr. Trudeau in Ottawa, I think, has a vested interest <laughs> in the potential different outcome for the Alberta election. Uh, can he saying he pledges to balance the budget during his first term by freezing spending and making what he calls uh, tough choices on pipelines. He wants more options other than Trans Mountain, and we're still waiting for that. Um, uh, Amarjeet Sohi saying just uh, last week, saying that he believes that the consultation process will be done within this 90-day window. So waiting to hear on what happens uh, next on that one as well. Bob Murray joining me in studio as we count down to this afternoon's throne speech. Bob Murray in studio with me this afternoon. The throne speech expected to start in about uh, 20 minutes time or so wanted to talk to you about um, the the Alberta party uh, we'll touch on the Liberal Party as well and the Freedom Conservative Party but Stephen Mandel the leader of the Alberta Party of course former mayor of Edmonton uh, was a uh, health minister as well in the Jim Prentice uh, Prentice government uh, he is now leader of uh, the Alberta Party uh, your thoughts on the party and um, what they could mean to this. There's been a lot of talk about some vote splitting here. Yeah, well, I mean, the Alberta Party's been working very hard to present itself as a centrist alternative to the black and white, to the NDP and the UCP, and to try to take a... um a careful approach to what they're saying, Alberta politics. I think, with the cha- of course, the recent challenge around the paperwork and the courts <laughs> yes. certainly didn't do them any favors. Uh, but I think certainly um, the the hope, I think, on the UCP side of the spectrum is that the Alberta party can have a strong showing in Edmonton and vote split with the mm. NDP uh, and possibly allow UCP candidates to farewell uh, in this area and elsewhere in the province. And so whether or not they're actually being interpreted as that centrist alternative, whether or not their candidates are going to be uh, well-funded enough and actually able to to break through and to gain seats uh, or whether they just play a vote-splitting role with a, a few seats selectively here and there, I think will be interesting. Uh, this morning he was asked, Stephen Mandel was asked, you know, who is the Alberta Party? What is the Alberta Party? And this is what he had to say. Sure, one of the problems, anytime we announce anything, the other guy's copy it. So we want to keep our announcements for during, when the, when the writ is dropped and we'll announce the various projects we have for uh, creating jobs, creating opportunity, um, education, a bunch of, a, a bunch of other policies and programs. 
programs, and so we will announce those in due time. Um, but I think that you know you're making an assumption that the people on the far left and far right are not on the far left and the far right. They they leave they leave a tremendous amount of room in the middle for people who want to have a balanced view of how you deliver programs in an effective way uh, while still managing an economy in a way where you can create jobs and opportunities. So I think there's a huge difference between us and the other two. Um, we hear that constantly is that uh, the other two are polarizing. We're not that way. Not that way. Stephen Mandel uh, answering the question, who is the Alberta party? As he said, he says every time he makes an announcement, the other parties take it from from them. And that's one of the reasons why they're not really releasing uh, much of the planks in their platform just yet. But we will need to watch that over the coming days and weeks to find out a little bit more about to what exactly the Alberta party is going to bring to the table. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and you heard from that message. They're trying very hard to forge out this, this center uh, in Alberta politics. But right now, uh, with a hyper-polarized political culture, it's going to be a really tough place to be able to play. Uh, David Kahn, the uh, leader of the Alberta Liberal Party. Um, you know, I remember when I moved back uh, to, to Edmonton in 2000, the Liberals were um, a little bit more powerful than one person. Um, you know, back in the Kevin Taft days. Uh, that's going back a ways now. Um it's got to be tough being a liberal in this province right now. Oh, talk about a thankless task. I mean, <laughs> and give the guy credit. I mean, yep. he is working hard and he is out there trying to carry a message, uh, another message where trying to sound... Uh uh, pensive, progressive, uh, while still taking certain economic concerns seriously. But uh, yeah, not a, an easy thing to be an Alberta Liberal right now. And uh, he was asked about that and about the Liberals' chances in Alberta. Here's David Kahn. Things are cyclical, right? I mean, previous, pre- previous to the last election, the NDP had between zero and four seats, and we've had between five and 34. So, uh, so you know, uh, things can be cyclical, but I think just throwing out the baby with the, brand wa- uh, the, the, baby with the bath water and rebranding every time you sort of want to different result is not the, uh, a good long-term strategy. Okay, are you going to win your seat? That was the first question I asked you when you yes. sat down because if you don't win your seat, I yes. guess that's it because it's just David Swan in the legislature right yes. now with the Liberal Party name, yeah. right? And I've been door-knocking in my uh, constituency since last summer and there's great response. People really want a, a progressive, strong uh, voice in the legislature. They want a, uh, the leader of the Alberta Liberal Party, me in the legislature, and more importantly to my particular race, uh, the constituents of Calgary Mountain View really respect David Swan's work over the last 15 years it's a it's a liberal writing and they want me to continue that work uh, going forward in the in the legislature so i've got really great response at the doors from from uh, almost all constituents since last summer i have to say I'm, i sadly forgot that david swan was yeah he holds the seat in the ledge david Kahn does not yet you you did in fact forget i um, did but i think that's telling <laughs> I think that's telling. <laughs> On that note, okay, uh, also this morning, uh, Danielle Ryan talked with Derek Fildebrandt with the Freedom Conservative Party. We talked a little bit about Derek earlier uh, in in the show. He was asked, uh, before we wrap this up, the difference between the Freedom Party and the UCP. We're a coalition of giving a real place to libertarians inside the conservative movement rather than just taking uh, libertarian votes for granted that you're told, uh, well, you know, we're not socialists. We're the next best thing. So you're going to have to suck up and support supply management. You're going to have to suck up and support uh, big government social policy restrictions on personal and sexual freedoms. Um, our, our basic philosophy of government is if you're not hurting anybody else and you're an adult, it's not the government's bloody business. And that is something conservatives are supposed to stand for, but too often don't. Uh, what also makes us very unique is we're the first um, 
autonomist or sovereignist party uh, to have a seat in the legislature. Not a separatist party, but a sovereignist party. We're the, we're the first sovereignist uh, party to have a seat in the Alberta legislature. Derek Fildebrandt this morning, not sure um, what kind of role or what kind of impact the Freedom Conservative Party will have in this election, but again, another one to watch for. They certainly are having an impact right now mm-hmm. over political discourse, by, not by virtue of the current party standing, but by virtue of the previous part where they were previously and some of the work that they had done in, uh, within the conservative movement. So certainly making uh, Mr. Fildebrand relevant again uh, and having some of the conversations that he's having. And so whether or not he'll be able to sustain that momentum uh, moving forward will be interesting. All right, I've got 15 seconds left with you. Okay, um, if you had to guess, when will the writ be dropped? Tomorrow? Next week? I think we're going to see a short session by virtue of what we've seen from the government recently. Do you believe that we'll see a budget? If you, we have a session, then yes. Okay. Um, and um, when all the um, ballots are cast? Oh, I have no idea. I hate predicting. <laughs> Come on! I, hate, I did it on yeah, in 2015 on television and made a fool of myself, so I just re- <laughs> choose not to repeat that. <laughs> that, was, that was a night to remember yeah, in, yeah. Many, in many ways. For so many ways. In many ways. Bob Murray, <laughs> thank you for joining me uh, this afternoon. It's great to have you back in studio, studio again. Bob Murray from uh, Denton's Canada, their government affairs and public policy policy guy right over there. Thank you so much. Thank you. The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye and Andrew Gross. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad.